Welcome everyone to Seek, Go, Create. This is your host, Tim Winders. This is where we redefine success in leadership, business, and in ministry. And we're gonna be doing that today. We're gonna be talking about a very, I believe, a very different take and unique take on leadership. We'll get to our guest in just a moment. But before we do that, I'm gonna ask one big favor of you. And that is, if you haven't done so already, go to seekgocreate.com forward slash book. That's seekgocreate.com forward slash book. And that is where you can go and find out all that you need to about Tim Winders, my debut novel. Yeah, you heard that right. I've actually written a novel. I thought that I would write a a nonfiction book. First book that's out of the gate is a fiction book. It's a uh, it's fiction with purpose, though, and depending on when you listen in, depend, I mean, depending on when you go to that link, depending on when you're hearing this, you will either be able to get a download of the first chapter, uh, or if it's after the release of the book, which is later in uh, 2021, depending on when you're listening, you can actually find out all about where you can get the book. So I appreciate you doing that. I look forward to the feedback, look forward to uh, hearing all that you have to say about it. So thanks for doing that. Let's go ahead and get started. This is going to be a lot of fun today. Uh, we have Trevor, Dr. Trevor Blotner as our guest. He's a business coach, author, founder of Redefining the Top 1%, and he's a shepherd leader. And he's got a bio that has a lot of other stuff in it. But we're going to go ahead and dive right in. Trevor, welcome to Seek, Go, Create. Hey, Tim, thanks for having me. Um, very cool to be on live, too. I didn't even know that was going to be yeah. part, of the, part of the deal. So that's another aspect. Um, and also, congrats on your novel. Um, ah. that's, uh, that, that's, I've not tackled fiction yet myself. So, um, wow. I'm sure that was fascinating to do, but, um, a huge accomplishment. So. Yeah, it is. And actually it was much different for me. I thought that, uh, I've done a lot of things in the leadership arena. We're going to talk about that here. I know. And, uh, and one of the things that I always thought was that I would do something like that. Well, a story came to me first that would get some principles across kind of a Ogmandino type story and yeah. greatest salesman in the world. So that's what it is. Those so anyway, great. but, but enough about me, let's talk about you. Uh, first yeah. question I like to ask you and I, I kind of gave an abbreviated bio because I wanted to hear this and that is sure. we bump into each other. You and I are out and about something like that. And I say, Trevor or Dr. Trevor, what do you do? And what do you typically tell people when people ask you that? Well, you know, I live in a small town, so a lot of people kind of know what I do. But when I'm out um, away from where I'm from, um, I, I have I do several things. One, I'm an endodontist, um, and if you've not been to the endodontist before, you probably aren't familiar with what that is. But that is a uh, that's a root canal specialist. So, <laughs> so I get most of my patients. Uh, I get all my patients actually from other dentists. Um, that will send them to me to take care of a specific problem um, for their patient and then send them back and make them make them feel better and be happy. So I have my own practice um, and that's kind of where I initially uh, eight years ago, I started the practice from from scratch. Um, it was just me and one other person. And that's where I started to learn how uh, important leadership um, principles and understanding how to lead others, you know, was. And that's Kind of where I uh, I got involved with the John Maxwell team and started diving in deep to what does it take to to be a leader and and how do you get better at that all, all the time. Um, I also am a real estate investor, so I um, have kind of got a uh, you know a little bit of a business going on that uh, from that standpoint, um, investing in uh, in apartment buildings, 
And then also um, I do uh, business coaching as well. So I'm actually a member of um, a group called Gravitas uh, Premium Coaches, which is um, basically a, a, a coaching uh, program platform um, specifically for, uh, for CEOs and, and small business owners. So we help people uh, with you know, their personal growth, but also the growth of their business in general. Yeah, that's good. So you're somewhat of a renaissance man, a lot going on there. <laughs> I, you know, I guess so. Uh, I have a lot of interests. I, um, I have been diagnosed with ADHD actually. <laughs> so <laughs> that, uh, that's a new thing. Yeah. I, I didn't even know that that was a thing. I, when I was a kid, that was never, um, that was never something that I, uh, thought was part of my life. Uh, but it's actually, it can be really powerful though. Um, if you're able to, to challenge it and, and kind of know how to deal with it. So, um, for me, having multiple things like that as projects um, at any given time actually helps, you know, um, and, and it helps me to be more productive. So, yeah, yeah, I, I was going to say that's that's good, but I don't know. I guess it is. And really, I think what we find you it can find, be. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you've probably find is the more you work with business leaders and all, there is a certain degree of that with the entrepreneur, business person, leader and and, and this is the way I state it, and maybe you would agree, disagree, I'm cool with it either way, is that's probably our greatest strength, but it could also be our kryptonite, <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely, uh, 100%. And, and, and if it's not uh, understood, you know, if there's not a lot of self-awareness around it, yeah. um, I think that, and if there's not a lot of delegation uh, around it, I think that it can definitely be kryptonite. Um, yeah. And it has, it has been for me in different, in different cases, so I, I know it can, can happen. Sure. Speaking of self-awareness and leadership, there's something that I saw on you and I was doing my research and reading through your book that we'll talk about in just a moment is that uh, I, you're married and, and you have three daughters. Is that correct? Did I read that correctly? I do. Yeah. I have an eight-year-old, Kate, um, a six-year-old, Nora, and a three-and-a-half-year-old, Lena. And, a wow. and uh, no boys. No boys, just girls. So, so here's my first like big learning point leadership question is what's it like? Well, I'll even ask you this way. Are you the leader of that home or are you like the bottom? I mean, what, how does that work? (laughs) Uh, You know, um, it is, uh, it is a daily um, learning experience. Uh, Let me put it that way. Actually the, the most dominating personality in our house, which many might guess is the three and a half year old. Mm. Uh, She is, uh, she was just born sort of an alpha uh, personality type. Uh, and so uh, she's not scared of anything and um, she's very much a daddy's girl. And so uh, really my, my younger two are both daddy's girls. My oldest uh, is a people pleaser right now. So she never wants to make mommy sad. So she likes to make sure mom feels, you know, loved and, and all that, which is good. Um, but uh, you know, it is, I mean, I think that, uh, it is easier in many ways to be the leader at your place of business, you know, and, and work environment um, than it is uh, at home, at least, you know, in, in my experience, um, because it's a, uh, it's a different, you know, you're able to get away with a little bit of different style of leadership. Um, right. And, uh, and, and uh, personality uh, challenges can be more difficult to deal with at home so well what I I was really this is my hard question here you know you've written a book on leadership we're gonna be talking about redefining the top one percent we're gonna talk about being a shepherd leader and I was just really wanting to ask does all that work does it apply 
to a home where you're a male in a house with four women? Um, I think that it, it does apply. You know, I would say the, the main reason I wrote this book um, is not because I'm an expert. Um, mm -hmm. It's actually because I wanted to learn um, about what do the experts say about what's effective um, in the world of leadership and are there particular um, behaviors um, as I termed them in the book that leaders have at the highest level that are common um, and, and are those backed by scientific evidence. And um, by nature, you know, I went to residency and I, I, I wrote peer reviewed articles and all those things for, for journals. And so I'm a researcher kind of by training and by nature um, being in the medical field. And um, so that part was very natural for me um, when I wrote the book um, and putting those those findings together into a kind of a set of, of behaviors in, in the book was natural. Um, now, taking those and and using them every single day uh, actively uh, isn't necessarily an easy thing. It's an ideal, you know, uh, it's an ideal we set up for ourselves. Um, and I think that, you know, each of us individually uh, have our own cross to bear, you know, in terms of the things that we struggle with and, and areas where we're, we're not as strong. Um, but knowing what the ideal looks like is, is I think, the first step. Yeah, and I, I love the thought of, you know, setting the bar and then all of us knowing that part of what we're doing is a journey to get there. There's mm -hmm. a couple things, and again, I, I've got, I've actually got some highlights from the book that we're, I want us to address shortly, but there's cool. a few foundational things. I mean, one of the things we talk about a good bit here on the show, the podcast is redefining success and things like that. And when I do, uh, here's what I do, Trevor, when I go uh, do some research, I just look for some clues of things that intrigue me. And so there's a couple things that I want to ask about to kind of learn more about Trevor to kind of build up. Yeah. And the first thing that was kind of interesting to me, I saw the statement somewhere. It might've been on your website. I don't know if it was in your bio or somewhere, but it was something to the effect of, there were three words, character, morality, and truth. And mm. truth was capitalized. And so I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that. And then I think I might have a follow-up to it, but tell us what, I can't remember the context that I saw it in. I think it was something that you were just sharing about what you were all about or what you were passionate about. Maybe if I'm wrong, let me know. But character, morality, and truth. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I think that uh, is probably uh, on the uh, homepage of the website at the bottom, and it's um, sort of like the mission statement of you know what what it is that we're trying to do, you know, with redefining the top one percent. And you know, a lot of the things that I seek to learn and uh, improve upon are because I want my my girls, my my kids, to grow up in a world that's as good as it can be, um, and be surrounded by people. Um, that, uh, you know, enrich their lives um, rather than make them more difficult. Uh, and those three words are sort of the ideal, you know, character, morality, and truth, um, you know, with the idea being that there is one, uh, there is one, you know, universal truth. Um, truth is not relative. Uh, hmm. Now, many would argue with that. Um, I, I happen to be the type of person that, that does believe that, that yeah. truth is... Um, is not relative. Uh, I think that there is one single uh, truth that is given by the Creator God that uh, that is sort of our our clue to how to live life 
in the most ideal way possible. So um, those ideas of, of character, morality, and truth are, you know, what uh, I strive to get better at. Um, mm. they're, they're certainly, yeah, and to display. Um, and I, I've fallen in, in, in major ways uh, in my life um, and, and probably won't be finished falling, you know, in my life. But um, it's, again, that ideal that we're trying to set up for ourselves yeah. um, so that we can be the person that, you know, our kids deserve, our, our spouses deserve, our teams deserve. Yeah. Well, the great thing was is it jumped out at me. And I don't know if it jumped out at me because I'm like going, yes, or that I don't see that written as much. And it could be that I just don't see it written down like that way as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if, as you were speaking, I, and and again, uh, maybe this is my worldview that I'm kind of looking around at all that's going on now, and I'm almost seeing it shrink the people that can speak to things like that. And maybe it's just mm-hmm. who I hang out with. I don't know. Maybe you have a different view. I'd love to know. But kind of the question related to that is how do we measure those things in our current culture, the current world that we're in, because there's a lot going on right now. You know, there is a lot going on, um, you know, in terms of, of metrics, um, you know, those are very subjective things. Um, and so um, to use objective tools to measure them, I think is, um, is probably doable, but it may be outside of my ability to understand exactly how to do that. But I do think that, uh, you know, part of it comes down to uh, authenticity and also um, the ability to understand, um, you know, when we are mistaken as, as individuals, when, when we, when we maybe aren't right and think that we are mm-hmm. being open to the idea that there may be knowledge out there and truth out there that is, um, you know, uh, that we've not been exposed to before. Um, and, and, you know, me being a person of, uh, you know, I guess curiosity, I always like to dig in and, and, um, look and see what proof there is or there is not uh, about a particular stance uh, on on truth. And so um, that's that portion of it. As far as character and morality go, um, that's a tougher question uh, because I think we recognize character when we see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and probably the same is true for morality. Um, but even then, you know, morality is even even more um, relative uh, now uh, in our current, um, you know, climate than, than maybe it's ever been. Certainly, and since it since it, it's been in my own life uh, experience, uh, it's more relative than it's ever been. Right. And and listen, those words are great words when we start layering those in when we have this discussion about leadership. And so kind of a, a, a big, I like to sometimes do macro before we kind of drill down to some micro items, but big picture, when you look out across the landscape and you're in, you know, kind of middle America is where you are, but you look across the landscape, you look at leadership as far as companies, you probably see a lot of smaller business people, which I think is a good thing, by the way, that's what I see also. Mm-hmm. But then you look at corporations, you look at politicians, you look at world leaders, et cetera. What is your gauge? And I know this is probably just Trevor's thoughts on the current state of leadership in the world. I love to ask that question just to see what people say. I mean, I do think it's different at different levels. Um, And I think that um, I 
think that our leaders um, at the highest level, you know, I guess the most visible level, um, for quite some time um, have have been lacking in uh, in character. Um, I, I think certainly that one is something that our you know that those that our young people in the in the country um, and even not so young people, you know, we recognize that um, when when that's um, not where it needs to be. Um, and we also, you know, whether we realize it or not, we follow the lead of those people that are at the top um, and we use them as sort of um, barometers for what we think is acceptable. Um, and so I think that has been a real problem. Um, I think at the, you know, I live in middle America, I live in the Bible Belt. And so um, I think at the level of small businesses in my own community, um, I would see. I would say the exact opposite is the case. Um, for for the majority of the people that I know personally that own businesses, their uh, highest priority is to take care of their employees and their employees' families, and um, you know, in their own families. And so, um, I, I don't necessarily know that that that's a metropolitan thing versus a rural thing or or, or a geographical thing, but I do think that. Um, for, for one reason or another, we've allowed ourselves to, uh, to create uh, a situation where the leaders at the highest level are maybe not what we're um, striving to, to have for the long term. Yeah, and, and I'm almost wondering, to put words in your mouth, if it's a media thing, that when yeah. we start looking at media, we only see uh, certain lack of character, lack of integrity on whatever side. This is not a political discussion, but that's right. And uh, and I'm excited when I get to do things like tomorrow, I have the honor of speaking at a local Rotary Club meeting here in this uh, town I'm in outside of Atlanta. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm excited about getting around those people because it's kind of what you just described. It's people that are overseeing, they've got responsibility for their their organization and they treat it like this is a word we use later like a good shepherd so uh anyway i'm excited about that well that's exactly right yeah and i i was just gonna to say um i do think you're right in terms of the media i mean how often does the media highlight you know a rotary club uh yeah. or the things that are going on in a small community that are positive um that's not uh, that's just not what you see you know um and so that is a very good point yeah, I, w I will not have to beat my way through the paparazzi to get to the Rotary Club meeting at 7 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> you will not. No, <laughs> no, no you'll not be, at all. It'll be very, very easy to get there tomorrow morning. Yeah. So, all right. So that all right, excellent discussion about kind of bigger picture. But I want to start drilling down to Trevor and really specifically, I think I saw somewhere that your dad's name was Rick. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So your, your dad's name was Rick. And I think I heard you somewhere. It might've been a video or something that I saw. You talked a little bit about Rick and a little bit, I think this would be a great conversation for you to talk about your father and talk about the evolution of leadership because yeah. leadership has changed a good bit. I'm a, yeah. I'm the tail end yeah. of the baby boomer. I'm 57, about to be 58 years old. And there was this mindset of don't let anybody see you bleed for the longest, tough, authoritarian leadership that then went to servant, all these things. So maybe using your father, if that's okay, could you talk a little bit about the evolution of leadership? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 even, uh, you know, he and I have had this discussion quite a bit, you know, as I was writing this book and, and coming up with the ideas, uh, putting them together. 
and I actually asked his permission, you know, to say, hey, you know, is it okay if I if I mention some of these things in the book that I think are important for people to hear, especially those that are up and coming, you know, leaders that that maybe um, aren't really sure, you know, what leadership should look like. And, um, you know, my dad in many ways, well, so he has, he's a steel, um, a steel guy. So he's an engineer by training, um, but he started his own business from the ground up in um, steel fabrication. So basically that is, uh, you know, cutting and, and uh, specifying steel pieces for specific jobs like bridges and buildings. Um, and then they, and pretty tough work, right? welding. And pretty very, hard very work, tough right? work. Yeah. Very hard work. Um, and just aren't a lot of people that do that kind of work, you know, anymore. It's a unique kind of a, kind of a business. And so, um, but he, at this point in his career, he's about to retire, he's turning 65, uh, but he still works uh, about four days a week. And he uh, has, I think about 20, any, at any given time between 25 and 30 employees. Hmm. Um, a lot of those are, are guys in the shop doing welding and, and those kinds of things. And um, so it is tough work. Uh, it is it is at times a tough group of people. And as I grew up, and he's also a you know he's a tough, he's a hard nosed guy. You know, I mean, and and I think probably by necessity in many ways, um, his dad, my grandpa, um, probably had a lot to do with that. He was a brigadier general in the uh, National Guard, um, and was a very you know hardworking guy. I, I don't recall ever seeing him alive not working on something. You know. Um, it just wasn't a guy that, that did anything, um, you know, for relaxation or anything like that. And he was also not a very touchy-feely person. He was very intense. And so my dad got a lot of his leadership style from his dad. Um, and, um, you know, when I was growing up, when I would go to his shop or even around our house, uh, the way he, he, you know, he had a very alpha approach to leadership and a very, uh, you know, uh, authoritarian style. Um, and I don't think it was, I think it was very subconscious. I don't think it was intentional. You know, I think that to him, that was leader, that was what leadership was. Um, and that's just the only way it's done. Um, and, uh, as you said, that has evolved over time. Um, you know, certainly, um, I think, you know, Ken Blanchard and others sort of brought the idea of servant leadership forward, you know, over, uh, the last, you know, 20 to 25 years. And that caught on um, very well. And I think it's a very, very good concept. And I think that um, people on teams respond really well, you know, to that idea of, of the leader at the top as, as a servant to those, uh, you know, on their team in the organization. Um, you know, and really, you know, this idea of shepherd leadership is, is not even a term that I actually came up with. This is a term that I, that I uh, and it's not even necessarily original. But a, uh, a friend of mine that was helping me kind of put these ideas together uh, suggested that that I use that term because, you know, these ideas are very, um, you know, they are biblical in many ways, um, you know, and we look at characters like, uh, like King David, you know, uh, Moses, um, Jesus is the good shepherd, you know, all, all of these major characters in the Bible have a link to shepherd you know, being a shepherd at some point in their lives. And I think this idea of uh, a shepherd in this, in the sense of yes, servant, certainly, 
but also um, someone that sort of charts the course, you know, sort of creates the path forward um, and also protects um, in many ways. I think that that not only is serving, but I think also the role of a leader uh, in this day and age is, is to be, uh, you know, protective and um, be sort of a mentor to those people on their team as far as possible. Um, and so that's kind of where that extra extension of the, the, the shepherd leadership concept comes in. Yeah. And, uh, and I love the, thanks for talking about your father and all, because I think that that gives value and I think it bridges some generations because yeah, I love you going yeah. back to your grandfather because, you know, they, they, it was effective, I think in their world, you know, they probably oh, yeah. weren't Extremely. emotional guys. Yeah. I doubt any of them mm -hmm. walked in and say, Hey, listen, let's have a meeting. I want to check in with everybody and see how everybody's feeling and all. I doubt that happened, uh, in no. the steel fabrication business. And, uh, but yet that's kind of common in, in more business practices today. But the thing I want to kind of go into, and I was going to go into it later, but you opened the door for it is I wanted to ask you about that term shepherd. I'm yeah. a follower of Christ. You're a follower of Christ. We have a lot of listeners that are too. And, and so yeah. they, they naturally say, oh, shepherd, I know what that means. You described yeah. it a little bit, but outside of biblical circles in 2021, 22, whenever people are listening in here, yeah. there aren't a lot of shepherds out there tending their flocks or their sheep. And so a lot of people maybe don't quite grasp what that means have you run across anyone yeah. that you did a great job of describing it earlier but have you just have you run across anyone groups of people or anyone that said what the heck are you talking about the shepherd thing sure yeah no, i know and i think that that is um i think initially that's why i didn't personally come you know that wasn't a term that i was using initially myself mm -hmm. but um it, you know enough people told me that that is really the right fit for, uh, you know, the type of person that I'm really trying to reach, mm -hmm. um, that, uh, that I, you know, that I kind of went with it. And definitely, I mean, it's not a, it's not a term that's really, um, you know, it's just not used in, in the current, uh, current environment. But, um, I also think it's a little bit misunderstood in terms of, uh, you know, w what a shepherd really does, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, these a shepherd is a very tough, you know, um, I mean, a, a defender. I mean, they, you know, like David, you know, regularly would fight lions to protect his his flock, you know. And so it's really the idea of uh, of putting oneself on the line mm -hmm. um, whenever necessary for the good of the rest of the team or in, in, in yeah. the case of a shepherd for for the, for the flock. Um, and so those those terms can be interchangeable, but um, I think that's the key component that maybe people uh, don't think of initially. Yeah, I love the term. I love the way you use the word strength because one of the things I was sitting here thinking was gonna I was gonna ask, do people perceive a shepherd as being weak? And you addressed it right there. And you know, there's a great parable that uh, Jesus talks about that the shepherd leaves the flock of ninety nine to find the one that's missing. And obviously those numbers aren't that critical. It just shows how, how, what a overseer the shepherd is, which, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think it would be kind of funny. Wouldn't it be kind of interesting if you and I loaded up, went to Northern Virginia, DC, 
and started walking around saying, hey, listen, we're looking for the shepherd leaders that are here in Washington and all. And I'd, I'd be curious as to what kind of looks we might get. That would be kind of. I think it would be very. Um, I think, you know, what kind of looks we would get. I know what and I, know get. <laughs> I know, too. But it'd be kind of it'd be kind of fun. I think you and I'd have fun with it. it. So. So. It all right. I love the shepherd leadership, but we're going to we're going to kind of use that as a foundation to move into talking about this redefining the one percent. And you may know that one of our subtitles at Seek Go Create is Redefine Success. And and you've got a book now that's called Redefine the Top One Percent. And you talk a lot about the American dream and all that. But but here's here's my first question before we kind of start really diving into the book. Anytime someone uses a word like redefine, it's yeah. almost automatic that they're saying there's something wrong with the current way it's being defined. Yeah. <laughs> That's what mm -hmm. I'm doing. Are you doing mm -hmm. the same thing? Are you saying something ain't right about the way it is? It needs to be redefined. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And I think also the perception of mm -hmm. what it means to be in the 1%. Um, is uh, it's it's very negative, um, you know. So, uh, and I think a lot of that is media driven, you know, as we've talked about before. But uh, I think a lot of people uh, at this point have this idea that the one percenters are sort of a uh, an elite, you know, elitist group of people that want nothing uh, good for anyone other than themselves. Um, and I think that uh, you know what what we try to do in the book. Number one is um, is look at the uh, the idea of, of each of us individually striving to reach that sort of uh, top uh, performance bar in our own lives. You know that that top one percent of our own ability, God given ability and talent, um, so that then we can um, move into you know the upper echelon in terms of our uh, ability to uh, to provide for our families, our ability to lead you know, successful organizations, and then ultimately our, our ability to do good things for other people um, through generosity and through gifts and through, um, you know, programs we're able to help create. Um, because, you know, I think we can all understand that um, if we're unable to take care of ourselves uh, financially and otherwise, um, we really aren't equipped to do things for others um, in a powerful way. And so uh, I think that that's just, it's just a fundamental truth and um, and I think that redefining the top one percent in that in those two different ways um, is was really the goal of this book. Mm. So to clarify, you know, typically someone listening in, if we title this something about the top one percent, people are going to think we're talking about that the people that earn the top earners, the Forbes or sure. whatever those lists are. So mm -hmm. this is this is not about money, correct? Well, it's not, but, but for the record, I, I don't personally have a problem with anyone that earns a lot of money. Yeah. Um, now, in fact, I think that's a great thing, mm -hmm. um, provided that their motives are pure and that they're trying, you know, to use those resources in a way that benefits others and, um, and, and you know, mankind in general. And I think a lot of people that are in that category do that. I think they give away a lot more money than any of us realize and do great things. Um, but there are certainly that, that group of people that are, that are not uh, in that category. But to answer your question, this is not specifically about that. Um, mm. It is about um, 
trying to uh, trying to uh, adopt behaviors that we know from science are uh, in line with the most successful people in leadership positions over the course of time. You know, so how can we each incorporate these behaviors into our lives on a daily basis through the exercises that we have in the book to then, you know, get as close to that top 1% of our own ability to create and perform and provide as we can. Mm. Yeah. And so, so one interesting thing about it and, and, you know, there's layers of this throughout the book, but I think I like to ask this of people in your position, because I think it's valuable to someone listening in, you know, we just had a brief money discussion and we've talked about faith. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about capital T truth and character, morality, things like that. I, I want to I love to ask people that are in positions like you're in, that are in a, uh, you know, a, you're a doctor, you're running an organization, you're interacting with other organizations, you're investing, you're doing a lot of things. How do you bring together? And you mentioned you were in the Bible Belt, so that actually adds a little bit of uh, mm -hmm. kindling to the fire. How do you bring together faith, success, money? How do you how do you bring all those together? Because I know I spent a couple years in Bible school. I've been around you know people that you know use the title Christians to describe themselves for many years. There are a lot of people that struggle with that. How does it all yeah. fit together? Can you just maybe talk briefly about how you bring it together? And I'm not saying we've all got it figured out, but just how do you reconcile it? Because I'm I'm a, I'm assuming yeah. you're pretty successful from a financial standpoint being in the position you're in. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's all relative. I, I've obviously been very blessed to be in the position I'm in now, um, but I I would say that um, you know we're all wired a bit differently. Um, we all have different different uh, drives, motivations. Um, you know, people listening probably are familiar with the Enneagram and the different uh, different numbers and characteristics. I happen to be a three. So that's a that's a uh, successful achiever, I believe, is what they call that. So that's kind of how God created me. Um, and and uh, one way to keep score um, on achievement is is financially. And so that just always, in in many ways, has been a battle for me um, in terms of not allowing myself to make that the highest priority. Uh, mm -hmm. And you know that's sort of a, a daily, you know, I wouldn't say a struggle, but something to be aware of for me. I will say that, you know, many people um, familiar with the Bible or not will uh, will quote, you know, uh, money is the root of all evil, you know, that'll misquote. That's a, that's you mean like misquote, right? That <laughs> Mis they will misquote. Right. <laughs> and so we we know that in the Bible, it says the the love of money is is the root of all evil. Uh, with the idea from my understanding being that, uh, you know, if we put money above all else, and make that sort of an idol in our lives, then yes, uh, that creates lots of evil and lots of uh, negative repercussions. Um, but you know, I think that as a person of faith, um, money is a resource. You know, um, nothing more, nothing less. If you're able to use it in a way that is, um, you know, furthering the kingdom of God in one way or another, then I think it's a very positive thing. Um, and if you're doing the opposite, then I think it can be very, very dark and negative. So I, I'd say that's kind of the only way I think about it. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to, I'm going to jump into the book and, uh, ask, and I'll have a number of other questions related to the book, but I, I want yeah. to 
go to this first and uh, in my digital copy, it was on page 53. I don't know which chapter it is, but it, it, this mm-hmm. is something to the effect of earlier I mentioned my own battle with anxiety and self-doubt. This is you talking your words. For oh, much yeah. of my life, I experienced a lack of self-worth that created this chemical makeup. Now, when someone sees doctor, when someone sees coach, when someone sees someone in the position you're in and they look at you, you're you know, a handsome young man and all that kind of stuff, many times it's hard to reconcile battle with anxiety and self-doubt. I, I think that's the place that I want to go into the book is you telling a little bit about that because I think that's probably, a, maybe it's not, maybe it is a catalyst for putting the book together. If I'm wrong, you can mm-hmm. let me know. But talk a little bit about that sentence that's, again, digitally, page 53. I don't know what page it's on in the physical book, but talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that was one of the major reasons I I did uh, write the book is, uh, you know, that's that's the truth. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's um, uh, there are battles I've had in my own life that, um, you know, the longer I'm a Christian, um, the longer I try to follow Jesus, um, the more people I get to know that are also Christians, the more I realize we all struggle. Um, and, um, and all of our struggles are unique, um, and they're different from one another. Um, one of mine, um, has been, you know, kind of this battle with, uh, I was diagnosed with what they call generalized anxiety, which is a very vague term, um, in, uh, when I was in dental school, but I battled it a long time before that. I just never really did anything about it. You know, I just kind of thought, well, just whatever, just tough it out, white knuckle it, you know, get through it. And, um, and, and that, that you can do that. I mean, I think you can live your life that way. Um, but, but I also think those are, those are the examples you saw with your father and your grandfather. That's what they did, right? That's right. Yeah. And, and having gone through this myself, I, I now know, you know, that my, my own dad has dealt with a lot of these same things. Mm -hmm. Um, and he didn't know it you know, um, either he didn't know it or wouldn't acknowledge it. Um, and I, I mentioned intentionally, I mentioned the ADHD thing earlier, you know, uh, and the reason I did is because, um, that is, uh, you know, adult ADHD for those that don't know is significantly different in presentation than it is for kids that have ADD, you know, for kids, they're usually super hyperactive and they're usually, uh, you know, bouncing off the walls and you can't get them to sit still. Um, for adults, it's much more complex than that. It's, um, you know, more, uh, more difficult for adults with ADHD to engage in relationships. Um, there it's very hard for them to, uh, you know, finish projects. Um, and, and there, there are a lot of repercussions, you know, socially and, and, um, uh, and otherwise to ADHD. So my, my dad and I both, you know, basically have the exact same personality in that way. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, I think it's made us both very successful, but it's also caused a lot of, a lot of pain and challenge, um, in relationships and, and other things in our lives. Um, and so when I look back on that anxiety, uh, part in my life, I think the ADHD actually was sort of a, the main driver, you know, of all that stuff. Uh, and people that have ADHD, ADHD have high uh, incidence of depression, anxiety, uh, alcohol uh, abuse, you know, things like that, that they use as, as coping mechanisms, uh, very high uh, levels of, uh, of addiction. 
Um, and so um, all that to just say that, uh, you know, I think we all have struggles um, mm -hmm. and that they don't have to be defining, but um, number one, we've got to face them, mm. um, you know, uh, and, and, and get help or, or, you know, or do what needs to be done to, uh, to try to overcome those things. Um, and then, um, you know, also don't be embarrassed or ashamed by them because, um, you know, they're, they're not, uh, it's not a coincidence that that's the particular cross that you have to bear in your life, you know, and there's, there's some sort of a reason, um, and some sort of a learning experience from it. So one of the things that happens, cause I've, I've got this in me too, the Enneagram three, the success minded, if they have what you're talking about, it seems as if, uh, you know, we talk about dependency and chemicals and things like that. Uh, for me, uh, similar to you, for me, success was that drug was that uh pursuit uh, it is a drug it's a dopamine similar for you boost. i mean were you were you chasing i mean and listen i know Absolutely. you're a doctor and things like that you said this first reared up when you were in dental school mm -hmm. were you going after things in a way to solve fix placate whatever the right word is uh that need yeah, I mean, I think in many ways, and this is all um, stuff I've learned not long ago, very recently. Yeah, later, you know, yeah, it comes it, it got, later. It comes yeah. to a head later, right? Yes, yeah, and um, and so in the, in the moment, I didn't necessarily even know a lot of these things, but um, majority of my life um, up until you know the present moment has been based on uh, pursuit of achieving certain things. You know, um, uh, it was. When I was a kid, it was competitive sports. And that sort of like allowed me to cope with, with everything else because I got those dopamine hits, you know, when I would, mm -hmm. you know, win or get awards or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, after, after high school, I didn't play college sports. So then it became academics. And, you know, I was in a fraternity. So those, you know, activities kind of filled that void. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was getting into dental school. And then it was, um, getting into residency, um, which was a big, a big challenge. Um, and then it was starting my own practice, um, you know, from by myself, you know, um, and then, um, and then it was being a good husband and father. Um, and that, you know, and then it, all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, what's next, you know, like what's the next thing that's the big thing. And that's when I really, uh, for me personally, it started to be more obvious, okay, you know, something's not right. Uh, something's not right here in the way that I'm living my life uh, because, uh, you know, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Um, and so I, I had to kind of, kind of reevaluate a lot of things um, and learn a lot of things about myself um, and, uh, and the hard way, a lot of it. Yeah, I think a lot of people deal with that. I did something similar that uh, that I recognized. I was always looking for what the next thing was or the next level or accomplishment or achievement. And I wasn't really doing, I'll say this often, I'm not saying that I have it figured out, but I didn't really enjoy the journey. I didn't really take the time to really bask in the moment or the day. And I was always looking at that next thing. Was that similar for you? I mean, it sounds like some similar things. Extremely. I mean, I wouldn't, yeah. 
I wouldn't say that I remember enjoying any of the days. No, yeah, to be honest with you, you what, know, what's next? I and mean, when uh, I get to yeah. here, then I'll slow down. Yeah, and 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 that's just always sort of been my uh, my mo, um, mm. and uh, recognizing you know that that's not uh, how I really want to be. You know, mm -hmm. the ideal version of me, um, you you know, using using all the information in this book, uh, redefining the top one percent. That ideal version of me is not that way. Um, yeah. And so um, a lot of a lot of the things I learned in writing the book are, uh, you know, we're very much uh, caused a lot of self reflection. Mm -hmm. And we're very much like, huh, you're really calling yourself out here, you know, uh, on these, I mean, you, you know, you, you, you're going to write a book like this, like you're going to have a target on your back. Because people are going to say, well, you're the author of this book, you know, do you do all mm -hmm. these things? Mm -hmm. um, and so I knew that was I knew that was a risk. Um, but I, for better or worse, I went ahead with it. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you start putting things on paper and there's this thought or you speak or you do podcasts or anything like that. People have this thought that you're the expert. And sure. to me, you, tell me if this wording is wrong. It seems like redefining the top 1% was almost a roadmap, a guide for Trevor. And you're just kind of allowing the rest of us to kind of be in on it. Uh, kind yeah, of what I'm hearing you yeah, say. I, I'd say that's extremely accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd be curious to know, um, you know, I'm not sure how many would admit this, but, you know, of the most successful personal development teachers and authors over the course of time, I'd be curious to know in the deepest part of their heart, how many of those were writing to themselves, mm. you know, in many ways, like, like, yeah, you know, you're famous and you, and you're, you're successful and you know, these concepts, and you're teaching them, but how much of this is also for you? Yeah. You know? um, but that's not something people talk about a lot, you know, mm -hmm. on the on the on the speaking circuit, you know, and, and otherwise. No. But uh, but that's you know, my experience with human beings that that would probably be the case. Okay, so that's powerful, and unfortunately, we're kind of I'm looking at my time here, but you, we just brought something up that would be so fun to go down. It, it appears as if many people that are in this arena, leadership, personal development, self-help, all of this, we set ourselves up to be hypocrites. <laughs> it's almost like we position ourselves by stating, do this, do this, this is the way to do it. But I love your approach. You talk about humility in the book, which is, I think, one of the keys to any type of success. I love that redefining mm -hmm. of success. But, mm -hmm. And you brought up something that I think is so powerful that I've just experienced, sounds like you experienced, I'm not so sure that these books aren't for us as much as, as, if not more, for anybody else to read if they want to. What are your thoughts on that? I really think that's the case. I mean, you know, at least in my in my experience, um, that's that's for sure for sure the case. And I I just would be surprised if that's not the case for many authors. Uh, yeah. You know, because you do you do so much work, you pour your heart and soul into these things. And you sincerely want them to benefit other people, um, but but you're learning so much about yourself through the process that um, inevitably, you know, you're going to you're going to have things in the book that you you don't uh, you know necessarily attain um, right. on on a daily basis. And so, yeah, yeah and I do think I, I did get the sensation that I was sort of setting myself up um, to have a target on my back as as the author of a book like this. Sure. Um, but, but I think as a leader, you know, you kind of, that's something you, you accept that, 
you know, that's part of it is knowing that, you know, if something does go wrong, you're on the hook and that's part of the responsibility um, and the privilege of being in a leadership position. And we've got the ultimate example of that, which is Jesus Christ, which he obviously set himself up. He, he, he nailed it because that, that actually that's, that may not be a good term, but you, you know what I mean? He, he got it right. I do. I do. He did. <laughs> and uh, I came out. And he I went, literally did. He <laughs> literally did. But um, listen, there's so many cool things in the book. And I think what I'd love, because you actually go through a number of behaviors, I think there's seven. What I'd love to do in the yeah. time we've got, I'm watching it because I know you've got, you actually mentioned you've got a patient you've got to get to. We don't want to delay them. Oh, I do. Um, I do. Can, you, can you give me, maybe let's just hit one of the behaviors, and then I'll yeah. ask what you want someone to get from the book, and then we'll begin wrapping up. Uh, maybe just talk about one of the behaviors, and I've, I've gone through a good portion of the book, so I'm not going to pin you down. Just kind of share one based on the way you're feeling the conversation's going. Well, you know, I mean, the, the two that, that come to mind immediately based on our conversation are number one and, and number seven. You know, number one is embrace radical responsibility. And that's so foundational, I think, to any uh, any learning experience, but any, any person in a leadership role is, you know, it, it's very obvious, but, but not necessarily, uh, you know, very easy to practice on a daily basis is, is mm-hmm. really accepting every single outcome that happens uh, on your team or, you know, in your family, if you're the leader, you are, you are ultimately responsible for, uh, for how you move forward from that. You know, you, that doesn't mean, I don't think that you are, you, you created the situation every time um, because, you know, logically that's not obviously not true, but it is your responsibility how to handle it and how to move forward in a, in a positive way from it. Um, and I think a lot of that is mindset. You know, mindset is a buzzword that that people use a lot in the personal development world, and I think probably too much. But I do think it it is very important, and I do think in this particular uh, arena as a leader, the mindset of one that is ultimately responsible for everything that that happens um, is super powerful, and you can't really build anything uh, else on that on. on on a foundation is anything less than that. So mm. that's number one, you know, and the rest of them sort of build on that. Uh, number seven is, uh, is be still and know, and that's just the, uh, you know, that's just the, the from, from the book of Psalms and the idea that uh, I think it's important for leaders to realize that there's something bigger, there's a bigger picture um, and they're working for something larger than themselves. Mm. Uh, and, you know, that in a nutshell is what behavior number seven discusses. Um, and it's, it's not, you know, uh, Christian per se, um, although there are a lot of uh, references to Jesus and, and other biblical stories in the book. Um, but it is, uh, I think it is important for, uh, in many ways, a leader to have a spiritual side of themselves that recognizes uh, that there is a greater power. And uh, without that greater power, we as human beings are limited and um and things like prayer um and uh, and recognizing our own limitations i think are very powerful and and important parts of being a good leader yeah the, the good thing about that also and let's just even remove the spiritual which is hard to do is that be still 
kind of circles back to what you and I were talking about earlier, that our personalities, that Enneagram 3, the person that's go, 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 trying to get to whatever next, is just to slow down and be still and be quiet and listen. And and it's kind of hard to know if you're moving all the time. <laughs> it's kind of hard to know if you're always stretching for that next thing, right? Very hard and, and not an easy concept uh, to swallow if that's your natural personality type. Sure. Is that, right. is that, is that driver, you know, but yeah. it's important. Absolutely. Trevor, this has been so good. What I'd love to ask just a few things kind of as, to, as a wrap up here, uh, who's, who's this book for, who do you think should pick this book up? What type person, what individual give us a, I don't, I don't know anybody, but um, yeah. like where would they be now and what would be, they be thinking if, if, if this person says, you know what, this book is, uh, is something you really need to get. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody that, that aspires to be in a position of leadership at any point in their life, particularly those that maybe are are almost to the point in their life where they're going to be, um, you know, either a coach or in a managerial position or uh, a parent, you know, uh, having any sort of an in any sort of a role of influence over other people, uh, directly or indirectly. I think uh, this book is is for that person. Um, and uh, you know, so that does that does cover a lot of people, I think. But I think there's a lot of actionable ideas. You know, I think there's 35, 34, 35 um, exercises incorporated into the chapters of the book, where you kind of stop and you actually like write something down or or do an activity. Um, and that the that's the part of the book I think that uh, is is very powerful. I and mean, if people take the time to do it, um, you know, you if you adopt a third of the of the exercises into your daily routine. Um, I think, you know, I think that could be uh, certainly worth your time and energy to to check out. Uh, and again, they're all scientific uh, or, or uh, research based ideas. You know, that's something I came up with there. There is scientific literature uh, backed ideas. And so um, I think that's the, the key component of the book. Yeah, I love, and I hope this doesn't drive people away, but I love when you kind of got, got into quantum physics and, and string <laughs> theory and things like that. It's like, wow, he's going down a good deep path here. So I was, anyway, yeah. Don't, don't let was, that scare uh, you if you're sitting there listening. No, going, don't what? Let it scare you. No, <laughs> no, we, it's actually a fun part of the book. It's really yeah. actually pretty fascinating. <laughs> Yeah. Fine. Maybe. I mean, all right. So we'll include <laughs> it in me. the notes. We'll include it in the notes. But where do you want people to go? If someone's sitting here going, man, I need more yeah. of this guy, Trevor. I want to connect with him or I want the book. Where do you want to send people? We'll include it in the notes so they can find it if they want to look later. Well, certainly. Thank you for that. Um, the book is available anywhere. You know, Amazon, uh, Books a Million, uh, uh, Barnes & Noble, any of the online retailers. Um, also, our website is just Dr. Dr. T-R-E-V-O-R-B-L-A-T-T-N-E-R.com, drtrevorblotner.com. Um, and if you want the book and a free um, audiobook with it, a free version of the audiobook and the free workbook, um, all you have to do is go to um, the website and click on the little book link or uh, go to drtrevorblotner.com slash book dash bonus. Um, mm -hmm. That's the that's the key page, landing page, and you you just order the book there, and you get you put the little digits in, and you'll get the audio book and the workbook for free. Yeah, I love that. And I, I've recently I used to be just a reader, and I've done digital reading and book, but I've recently kind of my wife has gotten me into audio books as we travel around in the RV, and I'm kind of loving I'm, that. So that's great. I'm addicted to audio books. Just you, you know, you just save so much time. 
I mean, yeah. transit, you, you can, and then I'm, I'm also a, a physical book guy. So I'll, I'll listen to it and yeah. then buy the book often if it's good. So did you so. read it? Did you, is it your voice? It is my voice. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, That's good. You voice. got a good voice. You got a good a strong voice. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted, that was something I wanted to do. I, I thought that was an important thing to do. So, mm. um, it is my voice and, um, yeah, and, and so that's a free free bonus if you order the book. Nice. Well, we'll definitely put some links in. Go check that out. Uh, Trevor, we are Seek, Go, Create, and I like to ask as a final question, which one of those words means more currently, and I know it can change, means more, resonates more with you, jumps out, whatever word you want to use, uh, Seek, Go, or Create now, and why? That's the final mm -hmm. question for you. Yeah, for me, it's no question, Seek. Um, mm. at this, this moment in my life, moment in my life. And it's, um, just the idea that I, you know, I think we've all, you know, we're all on a path. We're all on a journey of, uh, of trying to, you know, do what it is, uh, we were put on this earth to do. And for me, I'm, I'm, uh, I know the big mission, you know, um, is to grow the kingdom of God and it, it is to, to honor, uh, him and, and treat others the way they should be treated. But I, I'm currently seeking that one sort of uh, next move, you know, uh, for for me and my you know professional life, personal life, um, that that God's calling me to. So so for me, it would be seek. Nice, excellent. Thank you so much, Trevor. I'm so thankful and joyful that we were able to have this conversation. And I'm sure if you've been listening in, it's been a blessing to you. I'm going to ask a big favor of you right here, and that is if you know a leader. If you interact with anyone in a leader pos leadership position, I'm going to ask that you share this episode with them. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're watching on Facebook, if you're listening on your podcast platform right now, think of someone that's come to mind and just reach out and share this. Either take a screenshot, text it to them, send it to them on one of the socials because I know that this conversation will be a blessing to them and maybe they'll get the book and go further with it, but at least this conversation will mean a lot to them. So I'm going to ask you to do that. You can do that uh, on some of our socials. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn, all of those places where seek, go create, but just share this episode. They say the number one way that people are exposed to podcasts is when a friend or someone they know recommends it. So I'm going to ask you to do that because you know people that really need to hear this message, just like it's blessed you, it'll bless them. So thank you for doing that. We're here. We drop episodes every Monday. So definitely subscribe if you're able to do that on your platform. And until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.